Well, good morning. How are you? Let's try it again. Good morning. How are you doing? That sounds much better. Want to make sure you're alive and well and doing good today. Amen. I want you to think about heaven for a moment. We're talking about heaven on earth. So just kind of picture this, that we've got over us what we understand to be heaven. This place, this dwelling place of God, it's an emblem and a symbol and a reality of the presence of God. When we think about heaven, we think about being with God, we think about the angels, we think about good, we think about health, we think about all those things. And what God says is that he wants us to bring heaven to earth. That even when he talked to his disciples in prayer, he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, what's the rest of it say? As it is in heaven. Now, now think about that. He said, you really understand experience the kingdom when the realities of heaven are operational on earth. Now, if you study the movements of God throughout history, what you find out is there are times and there are places and there are people when the Holy Spirit opened up heaven to them. This is what we mean when we talk about an open heaven. Remember, there are times, there are places, and there are people upon whom this open heaven becomes a reality. So let's just start with times. This can be the time today that heaven's reality comes to you. This can be the place when heaven's reality comes to you, you can be the person upon whom heaven's reality comes. When this begins to happen, we begin to open up what we might understand as a portal for the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God begins to come down, and you say, wow, I, what is that that I feel? What is that that I sense? What is that that God is doing or saying to me in this moment? And that's the reality of his presence. See, the presence of God is what takes religion out of the picture and brings heaven into focus. There is a, there's a guy named Lou Engel, and he, he made this statement about an open heaven. Let me just read it to you. I think it may be on the screen there for you. When heaven is open... When heaven is open, there is an overpowering awareness of the presence of God. And so as we begin to think about this overwhelming presence of God, either in a personal experience or in such a powerful way that an entire geographic area is affected with a sense of awe. The results of this open heaven are witnessed on earth as revival. When large numbers of people seem to fall into the kingdom, see, there's a drawing of the Spirit where you don't have to convince anyone. You know, I have never convinced someone into the kingdom, but the Spirit of God has drawn them in. That's why whenever you try to argue 
the case for Christ. Whenever you try to convince someone, you typically are operating from the mind or from the will or from your passion and not from the power. You see, there is an irresistible attraction that happens when people really understand and they encounter God. When you really come into the presence of God, you cannot resist him. You can create all the mental arguments you want for why there is not a God or why God is not the God you think he should be. But the reality is when you are drawn in by the presence of God, he is irresistible. What we want to do is we want to open up this portal, if you will, on earth to where there are places and times and people that encounter the presence of God in such a powerful way that there is a drawing and there is, there is absolutely no resistance to what God is doing. You see, when I, when I came into the kingdom, there was no resistance on my part. There was none at all. I wasn't trying to argue a case. I was a pre-law student, started reading the Bible, and I was overwhelmed with the sense of his presence. I didn't know how to describe it. I didn't even know how to pray. I remember just praying, God, I don't even know if you can hear me. That's how much I knew about God. I don't know, God, I'm down here at the university. Can you see me? I didn't know. I didn't have to know. I didn't have to know everything in this book to encounter God. You don't have to know everything in that book to know God shows up in your life and he's drawing you and he's pulling you into the kingdom by his power and by his presence. Let's go on here. Being drawn by an irresistible hunger. See what Lou says? Being drawn by an, there, you see inside of you, there is a hunger that food cannot fill. There is, there is a life that wants to be filled that this world cannot fill. Only God is going to fit into that vacuum. Only God is going to fill that completely for you. So questions of eternity and salvation seem to be on everyone's mind. When you walk in the power and the presence of God, you're not worrying about thinking about everything else in life that seems to be important at the moment. What you do is you're drawn into questions of eternity. If you're a parent, you're thinking about your children. Are they walking with the Lord? Do they know God? Are they walking the power of the Spirit? When you look at your job, you're thinking, how do I leverage that for the kingdom? When you're looking at your money, you're not thinking about you. You're thinking about, am I being faithful with what God has given me? Everything about you begins to, to operate within the sphere of eternity. We're going to look at a story today from Acts chapter 19. And it really is an amazing story, and I, um, I struggled so much this week with the message. I had three different messages before I got to this one. And I knew how much you loved preaching and teaching, so I'm going to do all three today. So we're just going to start, and we're going to end about 2 o'clock today. Are you all right with that? Uh, yeah, some of you, yeah, I'm fine because I'm leaving in an hour, right? Okay. All right, let's, the kingdom of God, when the kingdom of God comes, it's always introduced in power. Now, this is really an important piece. The kingdom of God is always introduced with power when Jesus comes. It's never just a word. It's never just a message. It's never just a ritual. It always has power with it. You've got the message and power coming at the same time. Let's look at this scripture, Acts chapter 19, beginning in verse 11. 
Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. This is really um, a unique phrase that's used here. These were not common miracles. These were unusual miracles. These were extraordinary miracles. And what you begin to see in the New Testament is miracles start and they begin to rise to higher levels just like in your life when you begin to experience miracles in your life, when you begin to see the hand of God, they're going to increase. They're not going to decrease. God's always going to take you to another level into his power, into his presence. It says, by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and evil spirits went out from them. You know, when I read that, I thought, what? And, and the particular uh, Greek word he uses here for that, that rag that he has is actually just the, the, the wrap that you put around your head to prevent sweat. It wasn't anything special. It wasn't blessed. It wasn't anointed. It wasn't sold on the TV for a $20 donation. It was just off his body. And I thought, God, why would you do that? Why would there be an unusual? And then I realized where he was. He was in Ephesus. Ephesus was a center of the occult. In fact, what they did was they read something called uh, uh, Ephesius Gramata. And it was the readings of the day. It was what it would be like a, a horoscope on steroids for us today. And they believed that there was power there. And they, they were so pulled by that that I think God did the unusual there to counteract what they were experiencing in their daily life. They were seeing counterfeits. God says, I'm going to show you the real thing, and I'm going to do something unusual. Can I tell you this, that when, when God needs to get your attention, he'll get your attention with the unusual. He'll do something you don't expect. Don't be surprised if God surprises you. All right? Now, let's go on and look what happens here in this, in this text. What we have to understand is there's a certain mystery that goes along with the kingdom of God. And what you want to do is you want to pursue, you want to pursue the mystery behind the miracle. You see, when you see something happen, when you see someone healed, for example, which we see on a weekly basis here, when you see someone healed, ask yourself, what is the mystery behind that miracle? What can I learn? What can I see? What can I understand? Rather than just go, that's really cool or I'm happy for them, don't stop there. Say, God, there's a mystery there that I need to understand. I need to understand the language of faith. I need to understand the moving of your spirit. What can you teach me from this situation? That's pursuing the mystery behind the miracle. You see, what we understand is in the natural realm, now think about this, in the natural realm, miracles are supernatural, but in the supernatural realm, miracles are natural. You see, the more you live in the natural realm, the more supernatural miracles seem, but the more you live in the supernatural realm, the more natural they seem because you've reoriented yourself to eternity from time. And now you begin to see things from heaven instead of earth, and you begin to say, of course, that's how it works because I'm looking from heaven to earth. That's why Paul says in Ephesians that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. When you understand your position in Christ, you see things from the Father's perspective. That's why it says we are, we, are, we are seated with him far above all principality and power in every name that is named. So when you are seated with him, you understand principalities and powers are under your feet and they're not over you. 
They don't have control over you. You see, Jesus never separated the message of the kingdom from the power of the kingdom. When the message came forth, there was power. You see, if we give you the message of God from the word of God, but it's not coupled with power, then what is it? It's just teaching. We need more than teaching in our day. We need, the, we need a demonstration of the spirit of God and of power. Amen? We want to have something different. We want to be moving in that realm. Satan has no dominion. Now listen to this. Satan has no dominion in heaven. We can all agree with that, right? But on earth, his dominion is limited by the access we grant him. To acknowledge miracles is to bring heaven to earth, thus robbing hell of its dominion. That's why we're so big on telling you to the, be careful what you say. The words of your mouth are prophetic. You can speak death over your life. You can curse the ground you walk on by the words that you speak. So you always want to be speaking life over your situation. You know, we like to use the illustration, people love to tell you about their sickness. And they can go into great detail. I'm always amazed how much detail people remember from a doctor's report. And they go into all this stuff, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I don't, do I need to know this? Because what I want to do is we're taking up valuable time where we could be speaking life over you and we could be praying over you. And, and if somebody says, hey, would you pray for me? I have cancer. That's all I need to know. Right? Now let's just start, now let's just start moving faith into your world. But you see, I think we get so preoccupied with the natural that we miss out on the supernatural. Why not get so preoccupied with the supernatural that it pushes the natural out of your life? And you begin to see what God can do in that situation. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 20, it says, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. In other words, you don't experience the kingdom by simply the word. You experience the kingdom by word and power. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the rule and the dominion of God. You see, in every kingdom, you have to have a king. Amen? You have to have a territory. You have to have a domain. You have to have rules in the kingdom. You have to have a law. The word of God is the law. Romans chapter 16, 20, I love this verse. It says, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. You, you know what I love about that verse? Is it first shows up in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 when Adam falls and Eve falls and God makes the promise. He says that the coming seed, the Messiah, is going to bruise your heel of the coming Jesus, but you're going to crush his head. The promise, that promise is, starts in Genesis that we're going to crush the head of Satan. God loving to give us pictures of that. He takes all the constellations. He hangs them. In, he hangs all the stars in the sky. He gives every one of them names. He's got one called Draco the dragon. It wraps itself around the northern hemisphere. It's a it's a big serpent. And standing above it is a strong man. And guess what? Over his head is the heel of the strong man, crushing the head of the serpent. God put that there. God put that there. You say, well, in that Greek mythology, the Greeks only picked up on what God did. Remember Orion? 
The constellation is found in the book of Job. That was He lived in the time of Abraham. That only preceded by about 5,000 years, the Greeks. See, what we get, we get twisted in our understanding about what God is doing. God is trying to tell us something here. Let me show you the second thing. Miracles attract attention. Whenever you begin to see miracles happen in someone's life, they go, wait, wait, can I see that? When Jesus worked miracles, people are going, let's go see the one. I was blind, now I see. I couldn't walk, now I can walk. What's going on? I want to see this. Look at Acts chapter 19, verse 13. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. They saw the power of these disciples, and these were Jewish. These weren't Christians. These were Jewish believers, and they said, you know, let's use that power. They were just trying to use God's stuff you know, for their own gain, and saying, we exercise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so, and look what happens. This is when you know you're in trouble. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Let me ask you something. Does the enemy even know you're alive? Does he even know you exist? Are you, are you kicking sand in his face or is he kicking sand in your face? I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Now, what's really interesting here, in the first time he says, Jesus, I know, he uses a word I know by personal experience. In other words, I've had a lot of encounters with him. The second word, know, in the Greek is a different word. It's a word that means I, I, I know by acquaintance. I haven't had as many encounters with him, but I've had enough to know who he is. Jesus, I've had a lot of encounters, and, 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 and he's really done some stuff to me. But who are you? And then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them. Now, this demon-possessed man leaps on these seven sons of Sceva, prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. That's when you know you had a bad church meeting. Amen. When you have to run out naked and wounded, all right? Well, we want you to keep your clothes on. We want you to be restored and healed. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, all right. Okay. Now let's go on. Let, understand this. The stakes are high in the spiritual realm. See, that's what's telling you here. The stakes are high in the spiritual realm. When you start to go up in the spiritual realm, you're going to see the cost is greater and the stakes are higher because you're moving into a different dimension. You see, a lot of people are satisfied with religion, but religion, what religion is, is counterfeit for the Holy Spirit. See, I, don't, I hate religion, but I love Jesus. Religion always tells me what I'm doing wrong. Jesus empowers me to do what is right. Religion always makes you feel guilty, but Jesus always brings you to a better person. Makes you better, makes you, brings you into an understanding that, of clarity. Ron Carpenter put it like this, you will never be an exceptional person if you fight only ordinary battles. If your battles are ordinary, don't expect that God is going to fine-tune you and bring you to a new level of spirituality and a level of maturity. You fight exceptional battles when you begin to pray, when you begin to believe, when you begin to trust. And every time I pray for somebody who's sick, every time I pray for a miracle, I want you to know I'm in a battle. 
Because in my natural man, my natural Phil is saying, you know, this is not going to work. What are you doing, Phil? And my spirit man says, what are you talking about? Are you talking to me? You in the natural realm, Phil, you in the supernatural realm. Get over here in the supernatural realm where miracles happen, where you see the hand of God happen. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Look, look, look what they prayed. Lord, grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Now here, now look. Look how the speaking of the word. This doesn't mean reading the Bible to somebody. Look, and here's how. By what? Stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. See, the boldness wasn't to proclaim the word of God. The boldness was to proclaim the word in such a way that you saw power because you can't separate the kingdom from power. When power is released, the glory is manifest. You see, when the power is released at a time, at a place, over a person, the glory of God is revealed. The glory of God is simply the presence of God. It's a manifested presence of God. Acts chapter 19, verse 17. This became known both to the Jews and the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. What became known? Became known that they had this encounter with power, and these seven sons of Sceva ran out the door naked and wounded. That the miracle, something was happening in that place, and fear fell on them all. Do you know fear is a good thing when it comes, it's the fear of the Lord. See, Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If you don't have the fear of the Lord, you don't have knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. It says here that fear came upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. You see, when you have the right kind of fear, Jesus' name is magnified, and many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. You know, you know what one of the manifestations was? People began to give up secret sins. See, you can't have the kingdom move forward until you are willing to yield your stuff to God. Some of you are holding on to stuff that you need to just release. You know about it. You think nobody else does. But I know one who does. His name is Jesus. And it keeps you from experiencing the fullness of the power of the kingdom. And you think you can hide it. and You think you can hold on to it. But God says release it. See, when I release something, what I do is I bring about a, an amazing kingdom principle. That which I conceal, God reveals. But that which I reveal, God conceals. This is such a powerful kingdom principle. You say, well, I have to get up in front of church and tell everybody all my stuff? We'd love it because it would be a heck of a good time, but no. <laughs> right? No, you don't. You have to go to the Father. Go to the Father and say, God, this is my stuff. These are my secret sins. These are the things that I've been hiding. And would you just, would you just forgive me? And would you, God, bring restoration to me? Would you bring power into my life? And would you heal me? And God says, that which you... Reveal, I conceal. But whatever you try to hold on to and conceal, I will reveal because your sin will find you out. How does that work? I don't know. It's a kingdom principle. See, there's some things in the kingdom that work that do not make sense. You think you've got everything hidden. You don't have anything hidden. See, the gods we worship write their names on our faces. The eyes are the windows of the heart. 
everything that's inside of you can be seen by someone with spiritual discernment. Everything. Everything. Not everybody, but by those with spiritual discernment, they'll see it. But also, many of those who had practiced magic. Now, watch, there's two things happening here. One of these secret sins, and those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. So they had secret sins, but they also were, were following after false gods. You know, I, I say this to people, and they look at me like I'm super crazy. People say, well, what sign of the zodiac were you born on? I said, I wasn't. My life is not determined by fate. It's determined by faith. You cannot predict my life by the month I was born. You predict my life by my commitment to Jesus Christ. It's the blood of the Lamb. You want to know the sign I'm under? I'm under the blood of the Lamb. I was bought, paid for, and delivered from sin by Jesus Christ, and I stand in his presence alone by that. When you, when you operate in this world that says, what sign were you born under, typically what it means is you just don't know what you're dealing with, okay? Or you do know what you're dealing with and you're intentionally moving down a road you shouldn't. Or you're highly engaged in something that you really believe in, which is false religion. I'm going to tell you that you cannot, you cannot move forward with God until you wipe all of that out of your life. Read Deuteronomy 18 sometimes and see what God said, what you need to do about all the sorcery, the witchcraft, all that stuff. You see, that's a false god. Just like idolatry is a false god. You cannot worship your job. You cannot worship your family. You cannot worship your wife, your children. You cannot worship your country. You cannot worship anything. You have to give all your devotion to God. You can love your wife, love your family, love your children, love your country, but you can't, you can't put them up and make them an idol in your life. It says when they, when they did all this, it says they, they, the word of the Lord prevailed in that situation. You see, glory in your life is geographical. Glory is geographical. It can be right where you sit right now. You can experience the glory, the presence of God. We have people come, literally come into this building and go, what is that? What is what? What, is, what do I feel when I walk by that prayer wall? Oh, I don't know. You tell me. I know what it is. I just want to see if they can articulate it. I don't know. I felt something kind of weighty. Weighty like bad or weighty good? No, weighty good. I said, it's the presence of God. It's the glory of God. How do I do that? I just ask the glory. I just ask for the presence right now where you're city, seated or standing. You can just say, God, I just want the presence of God to be right here in this place where I am. And that awareness, you see, draws him in. He's drawn into that. And you become aware of where you're living because now you're moving from the natural into the supernatural, and now the supernatural becomes natural because you're operating in that sphere. You see, repentance is necessary for power. Repentance means I stop doing something and I move in the right direction. You so say, what if I mess up again? Then you repent again. Well, what, if I re what if I mess up 20 times a day? Then you repent 20 times. That's all. Was well, God mad? No. 
Why would he be mad? You're his child. See, when you understand that, that you're dealing with a father, not an angry God, it makes a big difference. He loves you. Every father who's good loves his child and wants the best. Obedience releases the power of the kingdom. When I obey God, I release the presence of the kingdom in my life. I just say, there it is. I just obey you, God. What do you want me to do? Okay. Okay. Let me give you a few life applications. And these are going to be maybe really significant for you, I think. The first thing is you have to realize that there needs to be a breaking of generational sin in Jesus' name. You know what was happening in Ephesus? You know, there were parents who were teaching their children about the occult. And the children had picked up on it. They picked on it either by observing it or by direct instruction. There are things today you're experiencing in your life that your parents experienced and your grandfather experienced and your grand, great-grandfather experienced. And the enemy knows exactly where your weakness is. And somebody has to say enough is enough. Why not that be you? Why don't you just say, enough is enough. I'm breaking it right now. It doesn't mean it's not a battle. I'm breaking it right now. I'm making a decision right now. I'm breaking that off, and I'm moving forward in a new, new, whole new world, a whole new dimension. You see, momentum is gained by your willingness to advance the cause of Christ. You see, you can get momentum in your life just by saying, I'm gonna, I want to advance what God is doing, and I want to follow the Lord. I want to... I want to be at the right time in the right place. I want to be the person. I want to do that. See, all of us know what religion brings. What about Holy Spirit? What does he bring? Let's stand together and pray, would you? I'm going to ask you to, um, I'm going to ask everyone in this room to participate in this. I want you to right now just ask the Holy Spirit. It can be very simple. Just You can say it out loud. You can say it under your breath. But just ask the Holy Spirit, would you reveal to me what I need to yield to you? Holy Spirit, would you reveal to me what I need to yield to you? Holy Spirit, would you highlight something in my life that was a pattern in the life of my father, my grandfather, or great-grandfather or mother. It could be an attitude. It could be a particular habit. It could be a sin. It could be something. Would you just ask him to highlight it right now in your mind? You might just have in the past just acknowledged it as being just kind of a family trait, but it's more than that. It's, a, it's an avenue for the enemy to take away the joy and the power and the life that God wants you to have. Remember, we're talking about a good father who loves you. He's drawing you in by his spirit. Even now, he's just drawing you in. He's saying, you know, I know about that. I just wanted you to acknowledge it. You're not informing God when you confess something. What you're doing is you're acknowledging what God already sees in you that needs to come out of you. Now I wonder, as God's shown you something, would you just release it? Think about that scene in Ephesus when they publicly confessed. They just started confessing to one another. Think about that scene where they took that which was evil and they burned it. Just ask God to consume the evil that 
anything in your life. Just burn it up with the Spirit of God. Just determine you want to be a part of the kingdom. You want to move forward in the kingdom, and you're putting everything behind you. Whatever you've confessed to God, God's taken away. You don't have to have any shame. You don't have to have any guilt. You just have to have release. Release it, release it, release it. Release it. If you want to release something, you have released something. I'm just asking you to come here to the front of this worship center. We're going to pray over you right now. But just come, just say, God, I just want to release something. I just, man, I, I want to just see your spirit move in me powerfully. I want to create momentum. I know that the word comes in, in power and, 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 and authority, and I just want that to be released. Just squeeze in here, guys. Just everybody just kind of press in toward the front. If you brought someone with you who, who needs just a touch of God in their life, just put your arm around them and bring them up here and just say, can we just go pray together? Spirit of God, as you're drawing people, as you're ministering to people right now as we pray, we know, Father, that there's something very powerful, very significant that happens when we yield ourselves to your spirit, God. So, God, we just yield to you. Would you just tell Jesus, I yield to you, Jesus. I just yield to you, Jesus. Just say it out loud. I yield to you, Jesus. Fill me with your spirit, Jesus. Just say it out loud. Just confront the enemy in his own territory. I just fill me with your spirit today. Now break off. I break off in Jesus' name. Just say it out loud. I break off in Jesus' name. Anything in my past that hinders me from my future. Give me power. Give me authority. Give me strength in Jesus' name. Now just call on his name and ask Jesus just to reveal himself to you right now. He'll come to you in a word, in a picture, in a vision, in an urging that is unmistakably him. to stand in just in his presence and, and just as our worship team just leads us through a moment of worship right now.
invite everyone here that's just, I'm just going to pray right now over you. We're just going to break whatever is holding up, binding you up in any way. It may not even be that you know what it is. You just know that you don't have the full freedom you want. So in Jesus' name right now, I take authority over a spirit of bondage, over a spirit of fear, We take authority over spirit of sickness and infirmity. And in Jesus' name, be released right now. In Jesus' name, be healed. In Jesus' name, be full. In Jesus' name, right now, you are set free by the power of Almighty God. And now in the place of that, we place the cross and the blood of Christ. We ask for the filling of the Spirit that where there was bondage, there is now joy. Where there was death, there is now life. Where there was hopelessness, there is now hope. Now you are free to move in the Spirit of God. Every day you move forward in the Spirit of God, thanking God for the freedom that's found in Christ Jesus, who has set you free. You have crushed Satan under your foot. You are no longer the tail, you are now the head. You are now empowered and you are understanding your role and your position in Christ as a son or a daughter of the living God. Would you just put your hands together, give him glory. Let's just give him glory today. Amen and amen. Amen. We want to thank you for being here. And as always, we just encourage you to, as you leave, to go out through the front lobby and and uh, put a prayer in the prayer wall or pray over those prayers that are on the wall. Just take some time and, and just allow God just to kind of work in that setting for you. Amen? Amen? Hey, we love you guys. God bless you. Don't forget to get signed up for the prophetic conference. It's going to be fantastic. Have a great day in the Lord.